Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for, for music, music teachers. teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today we're talking about what a beginner piano student should learn in their first year of lessons. lovely teachers. So today we're talking about what a student should learn in their first year of lessons. There's an article which gives you a totally different perspective from mine. I'm not even referencing it as I record this podcast. So you can definitely check that out as well. That's on the Colorful Keys blog and it's by the lovely Juanita. For my own reference, I have a list of objectives, rough ideas of goals that I would have for most students in their first year of lessons. I actually have mine split up. So I have one list which is for students age four to seven year old when they start, so their first year and they're under seven. And then my other list is for eight plus. Now I know that includes adult students as well, so that's still pretty broad, but I do like to at least split it at that age seven-ish mark because the expectations are so different and the benefits are so different. We can get a four-year-old to read music right away, but the question is, should we? And I would say, not always. So I'm going to go through my list for the younger students first, and then I'll talk about what's different, because not everything is, for the slightly older student. First area I look at in my list is note values. Rhythm is separate to me, so note values alone. And my little checklist item here is can vocalize and tap rhythms using quaver pair, crotchet, minim, dotted minim, semi-brief and crotchet rest. So for those of you in a different part of the world, that would be a eighth note pair, quarter note, half note, dotted half note, whole note and quarter rest. This list, if you paid really close attention, is basically what corresponds to the first half of Rhythm Vocab Level 1, which is a set of cards I use with my students. So I want them to be able to recognize those note values that are used there, be able to vocalize by that, I mean, say them as ta, ti, ti, ta, tap rhythms. I don't care if they can clap because younger students can't always clap on time in the same way that they can patch or tap their legs or tap a table right on time. 
So for some of you hearing that quavers or eighth notes are in that list for my student in their first year might be surprising, but for many of you it won't. I think the tide is changing on that. Many method books, bigger method books, don't introduce quavers in the first level of the book or even some of them the second level. But I truly believe they should be used right away. They are something that students naturally gravitate towards. They are like in kids' chants and rhymes and all that good stuff. It's nothing they can't handle. I think sometimes the hesitation with including quavers comes down to them being maybe a little bit confusing when we analyze them, when we explain them, when we do metric counting with them. But if you don't do those things, if you just vocalize them, if you just focus on the actual sound and creating a rhythmic vocabulary, those issues don't apply. So in my rhythm section of my checklist, I have can play simple pieces with a steady beat, can march slash tap the pulse when listening to music, can clap rhythms of one to two bars, that's one to two measures, in simple time using the above note values to the list I just shared with you in time with the teacher. So you'll notice I said in time with the teacher. By that I mean that they will stay with me when we're clapping those rhythms. So it's not that I expect them to be perfectly, perfectly in time if they go solo. But if they're in time with me, I'm happy with that. Again, this is after the first year of lessons for a student as young as four years old. Marching or tapping the pulse when listening to music can be a tricky one or it can be something that you check off the list right in the first lesson. Some students will arrive to you already able to do that and some will not. It takes a lot more work and it might not happen in the first year. But ideally, by the end of the first year, we would have been prioritizing doing lots of pra practice um, with moving to the beat and they would be able to now do it. The checklist item of play simple pieces with a steady beat, that's just about the pieces they're playing anyway for their reading work or their rote work that they generally have a steady beat when they play them. My next area is terms. My list here is quite short, so I want them to be able to remember and explain the words treble clef, bass clef, grandstaff, rhythm and beat. That's a pretty short list, as I said. The treble and bass clef and the grandstaff thing, that's so that they get oriented with the piano and the right, left versus up, down, that whole malarkey. And then I will have been doing lots of rhythm drills with them where they switch between doing the beat and the rhythm. They will probably learn both those words. They will learn other words throughout the year, but this is sort of my minimalist list of goals. And my priority is not on terms in the first year with a young student. So if they pick up the words forte and piano, great. If not, we will get to them in year two and it'll be fine. The other thing I have under terms is that they can identify and find any piano key without help. Maybe this should go without saying, but it doesn't. <laughs> It takes a lot of practice for young students to be able to find the piano keys without thinking, without working it out, without, as I've seen some students do, starting at the very bottom of the piano at A and working their way all the way up. Have you had any students who do that? It's a pretty awkward system. This is on my list because it does need attention, because I get a lot of transfer students who cannot do this, transfer students of all ages, and it's really important that we get this conquered in the first year. The next thing on my list is note reading. And my two items are can draw and identify three landmark notes. 
understands steps and skips on the piano and the staff. So you can call them seconds and thirds. It doesn't matter to me. I switch back and forth a lot. But that they understand those as patterns on the staff. They can identify them in games and they understand what they mean. And they can relate that back to the piano and they can perform them, right? They understand what it means in terms of their fingers, in terms of movement around the piano. My goal for landmark notes, again, only three landmark notes. Many of my students at this age, at the end of the first year, will know more, but it's not on my top list of priorities for them to be able to. The three landmark notes I want them to know at the end of the first year are bass F, by that I mean the F between the two dots of the bass clef, treble G, so the one in the curly squiggle of the treble clef on that line, and then middle C. That's all I really want in that first year. Most of them will also end up knowing bass C and treble C as well. Some of them will also easily remember low F and high G. But again, I said draw and identify. So anytime I point to those notes or they're mixed up in a group of other notes, they can pick them out. Or if I ask them to actually draw them or place something in the correct spot on my floor staff, they can do all of that. They know those notes without question. Next on my list is oral work or aural work if you're Irish. My list here is three different goals. I have can identify high and low, soft and loud and short and long by ear, can clap and play back simple phrases, listens carefully while they play and corrects their own mistakes. So let's start at the top there. Can identify high and low, soft and loud, and short and long by ear. That is covered simply by us doing the oral paddles, which are a resource available inside Vibrant Music Teaching. They're just signs that students hold up. You know, one has a lion, one has a mouse. I can't remember right now what the animals are, but something like that, right? They hold those up to identify or they tell me the answer. We do a mix of things, but I want them to be able to differentiate between say high and soft and loud and low, those are often mixed up, short and long notes. Some students right at the beginning don't really get that concept, so they need to be able to identify those by ear without looking. Then that they can clap and play back simple phrases. So I clap something, they can clap it back to me. I play something, they can echo it back to me as well with the correct rhythm. A lot of students will echo back only the pitch at first, with the correct rhythm is what I'm aiming for there. Finally, listens carefully while they play and corrects their own mistakes. So for this one, I'm looking for a student to have developed a habit of listening most of the time. I'm not looking for perfection. All students shut off their ears when they're focusing too much on reading a new piece. But when it is a piece that they know how it should sound, that they do listen to their own playing, correct their obvious mistakes. Like, I'm not talking about phrasing. I'm talking about a wrong note, a really wrong rhythm, stuff like that, that they can correct those most of the time. Just a few items left for my list for younger students. So first of all, technique. I have sits at the piano with good posture without prompting or reminding. Plays non-legato using arm weight without unnecessary tension. So the second one is almost easier for most that they play non-legato using arm weight without unnecessary tension, that will come as long as the teacher is pretty insistent that they don't play legato. Now most, I would say like 60-70% of students won't do that. If you play non-legato, they will copy you. 
Other students, just because of stuff they've listened to or watching someone else play the piano, they try to play legato when they're not ready for it. Again, we're talking about young students here, so their fingers probably aren't quite ready to do that immediately or in a few weeks. My only goal for their actual playing and their articulation for the first year is that they can play that non-legato without unnecessary tension. They may have started playing legato by the end of the first year. They may have encountered staccato, but the non-legato is the only thing I really want. And then sits at the piano with good posture without prompting or reminding. That's an ongoing issue, as many of us know, but it's often easier to achieve with my younger students. And then we hit a time around their tweens, usually like 10, 11, 12, where they stop (laughs) sitting with good posture. But at least for now, they should be able to do that. So if we get in the routine of setting up that way at the start, sitting up tall, feet firmly planted, and if they have a good setup at home, all should be well on that front. Down to my final two, so the second last one is practice skills, has developed a steady and consistent habit of practice. I think if we didn't get any of the other things on this list, but we got that one, I think we would be pretty happy, wouldn't we? And probably we would get most of the other ones just by virtue of having them developed a steady and consistent habit of practice. So this is a goal for the student, but it's really a goal for the student-parent team, as you know if you've listened to me for a while. I don't believe that a four-year-old can be told they should practice and just do it. <laughs> I believe that the parent is largely who will set this up and make this happen. My final goal then is fingers, and that is understands finger numbers and can play the correct finger without hesitation. So they're not mixing up one and five or just taking ages to find the particular finger as they might do at the very start of lessons. By the end of the year, they can play with the correct finger without thinking about it. Now I'll just talk you briefly through some of the differences. So what have I changed in my eight plus year old list? And there obviously is some gradient here, like a seven-year-old might reach these things. Some eight-year-olds wouldn't, but it gives you some idea. Under note values, there's actually no change there. I'm happy with that list for students of all ages, because remember, we're talking about vocalizing and tapping. It's not a big difference for different ages, actually. All my rhythm goals are also the same. The difference comes when I get to the term list. So I've added forte and piano, allegro, lento, rhythm, and high and low. I've still got them identifying any piano key without help, of course, Um, but for note reading I have seven landmark notes because it's quite reasonable for a student, say over the age of eight, to be able to remember those within their first year. Under oral there are some differences, so first of all I have them sight singing, so there's more of a focus on relating the oral back to reading work. So I would want them to be able to sight sing fairly reliably using just me, so and la from the solfa scale. That corresponds to solfa railroad one if you're a VMT member. My other oral goals are the same and all my other goals are actually the same except fingering. So instead of just identifying finger numbers, which is a pretty quick ask for an older student, I have follows the fingering in their written pieces accurately. So it's not just that they can play with the right finger when asked for finger three, it's that they generally follow the fingering that's notated in their pieces. So that's it. Those are the differences. It's not major, but it's more of a focus on reading elements or just generally notated elements that 
these older students can pick up that little bit easier and will have developed more in their reading, so that reflects in some of the other goals. Those are my goals for year one. They don't have to be yours, but I hope I've given you a taste of how you can think these things through, some of the categories you might consider, maybe something to compare to in terms of what your students can or can't do after their first year and how this reflects your goals as a teacher. Your one thing this week is to try and make yourself a little list. It can be much shorter than mine. It doesn't have to be divided by age, but make yourself a little list of what core things you would want a student to be able to do after their first year with you. I hope you enjoyed this curriculum exploration today. If you did, come talk to me on Instagram, or even if you disagree with me, come talk to me on Instagram. We're at Colourful Keys and I'd love to chat to you there. If you ever get overwhelmed by all the different teacher training options out there, Vibrant Music Teaching is the place for you. We nickname our members Flamingos because they're masters of balancing all of the things and making it all work in a way that isn't overwhelming. We have tools to help you do that inside Vibrant Music Teaching. So go to vmt.ninja and sign up today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.